This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are back on the field. A's cast live from the Collie. It doesn't get any better than that. It's an absolute beautiful day here in Oakland, California. It's the reopening of the 2021 season. We're going to have fireworks. We're going to have players. We're going to have Dave Cavill's going to join us coming up here in moments. Chris Bassett will be with us right after uh BP, and then, of course, it's a Friday, so that means David Force is going to be here at 510. But before we do that, Dallas Braden is going to show up here as we are going to uh, reopen. Commander, how are you? Tommy, it's it's great to be back on the field. As we saw, Lou Trevino, fellow college rival of mine, the AL reliever of the month, PSAC legend, great honor for Lou now, I mean, now he rivals that medal of mine. I mean, now we got we got two guys that are legends in that conference. Yeah, Shamanaya, AL Pitcher of the Month, Lou Trevino, AL Reliever of the Month for your Oakland Athletics. What is up, Dallas? We got a little reopening today. Yeah, welcome back, boys. Good to see you down here on the dirt. Isn't that crazy? I love it. I love every minute of it. That smiling face of Uncle Towdy as soon as I came out of the tunnel. Yes. You know, we haven't been on the field since 2019. Man, been too long. Because they didn't allow us. ESPN wouldn't allow us for the wild card game. We had to be in Championship Plaza. So, like, walking down here is like, how do I get back on the field? Right. How do I? And, of course, we've been watching you. You've been down here. Uh, but for us, finally some normalcy getting back here on A's Cast Live. Well, I tell you what, man. Being, being down where I sit and having the opportunity to sit there in diamond level before making the move back to my original spot down there, you're around the fans, and that energy that we were starved of from the beginning of that 2020, whatever you want to call it, type season, you just didn't have that. So to show up to the ballpark, see fans waiting to get into the ballpark, see fans milling about, hearing them cheering for their – like there's that energy and the smell of the ballpark that's been missed. It's here now. It's back. When, when you look back on 2020 – because none of us were here. We had our cardboard cutout somewhere, yeah. but we weren't here. What was that like where you're hearing conversations? Next thing you know, Zach Grinky's sitting next to the cardboard cutouts. I mean, y- you hear everything. I mean, for someone who has been out there in front of packed crowds, what was that season like? Well, honestly, consuming the game the way I do now, when you think about going home and playing a soft track and just – letting the day kind of melt away the sounds of the game the sounds of baseball are 
harmonious to me. And so the crack of the bat, the thud of the glove, the snap of the glove, there's just the the cleat sound, dirt, shuffling. Like, you could hear all of that. And so I think for the first time in a long time, I was tasting baseball again. You know, it's on my tongue because I didn't have the noise and the in-house PA and all the things that distract you from just sort of being rocked into love with the game of baseball. Well, they were they were almost turned up full tilt. So it was a very different way to take it in, but that's why having the fans back reminds you of what really brings energy to the game. You know, when I, I think about this American League, you know, because – you know, the A's, the A's lose a few games. Next you know, the A's clubhouse show, everybody's in panic mode. Right. But then all of a sudden, here you have the Houston Astros split a four-game series in Detroit, get swept at home by the Orioles. I think the bottom line, you tell me, I think you got a bunch of teams that are incomplete, and it's anybody's game in the American League. I think that's a great assessment, Tony. I think that word incomplete is a great assessment as well because you can see some holes, you can see some areas that need support, and I think when you go across the board, that's true. And what we've seen right now is teams sort of, I don't want to say scramble because it's still the first half, but they've really kind of tried to figure out a way to piece things together, pulling from different areas. I like to use the phrase plug and play because we've seen Bob Melvin plug and play for so long and just do so good at it. But that's why I think the way that divisions have shaped up are where they're at right now because there is a need to, to – so to reestablish and create some more resources for yourself to compete through the second half. Whether this is fair or not, it's kind of like dating back to the, the steroid era. If you're a pitcher now who is not pitching well and certain things like spin rates have changed, mm. you're going to get lumped into, I like to call them the, the glue guys. Sure. We're using some type of glue. Sure. Um, is that fair or not? Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. For the fans that I always try to educate on this, when they're like, well, how do we tell? Who do we know? What guy can we? That information is public and it's accessible. Baseballsavant.com will give you a lot of answers to a lot of the questions you have. And it might be tough to navigate at first, but I promise you, spend the time to dive in because anytime that question pops up, you can boom, go and get that answer for you. So I think it's fair to an extent. We're going to have to see how guys bounce back because what you're going to find are guys that, have not been able to adjust, and guys that have said, you know what, fair's fair, we're going to make that adjustment. So if you try to pinpoint them right now, you might be identifying a guy who is used, but I would say let's give it a while to see just how many guys are paying attention to trying to adjust and get out of having to use that stuff. You know, I'm such a dinosaur that people have asked, Hey, when you were pitching in college, did you use? I'm like, use? You kidding me? How many games did we play in college? There wasn't even a rosin bag on the mound, <laughs> let alone using something like spider tack, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I I didn't have. I mean, I was obviously you're you're aware of what these things are used for, but look, today that education and that exposure, though, Townie, like you, you'd be hard pressed and you're lying to yourself if you think that kids in travel ball aren't trying to use spider tack because they've heard it talked about in the last month well i can tell you the only and i hate to say this and i've quit uh but all i cared about was my glove and my can of copy sure that's all i cared about i was at sunscreen what do you mean sunscreen to the ballpark never even thought of it yeah well that's hey i tell you that's why you you stick around (laughs) this game you stick around some salty vets and they can open your eyes to some things that you had 
no idea about like what what do you mean we got to get rosin from this ball club their, their rosin's just better than everybody else's rosin okay all right let yeah. me pay attention to that you know the one thing that i love about what what we're doing here on on a's cast and a's cast live and we thank all of our fans we've passed three million downloads love we, that we just started in 2019 your podcast is killing it it just goes to show that the traditional media is not what it used to be, and this is the new way to do it. This is absolutely the new way to go about it. You can go, and I've said this for the last five, six years, almost a decade it feels like, you can go and get the information you're after from the place you desire these days. And it's not necessarily a matter of competing. It's understanding there's an alternative for people who don't want to consume the product a certain way. They maybe want to consume it a little differently. So... They have A's Cast Live that they can tap into. They don't have to wait until 6.40 to get that first pitch. They can download you right now, get your thoughts on it right now. They don't have to wait. And you're absolutely right. Being able to to be a menu item for people that's available with regularity is absolutely the new way to grow. You know, I miss watching you pitch. I know you miss pitching. Sure, sure. But I tell you what, Ty, I've said, I, I told you this. When the arm doesn't work, it becomes a heck of a lot easier to make peace with how things go, right? I've told you this plenty of times. I got a hard time yawning and stretching in the morning without tearing something, so I'm I, I'm okay. I think this year we're going to get down to fantasy camp. I would love to have you. We would absolutely love right? to have you do this you. show at fantasy camp. There, I mean, how cool you would, would knock it, you would knock it out of the park. And you want to talk about content, my friend? It's it's an all day affair of watching people ten times worse than you ever were try to go out there and relive it and. The, the love that they have for the game, that's what you walk away just drenched in every single day. Them, blood and sweat. Me, I'm drenched in the love they have for the game, and we get to see that unfold over the course of a week, week plus. Folks are living out their dreams, and they're doing it. I mean, we're going to have Eric Chavez out there again. Awesome. How great is that? Yeah. A stalwart at third base, the six-time gold glove phenom, is going to be back in fantasy camp dropping his knowledge and sharing stories, and it's the same coaches that have been there all, I mean, the whole way through. You know Mac Babbitt's going to be there, myself. You've got Campy, who's rolling. Stu's rolling. Carney's coming back. Greatness. Kangaroo Court's going to be in full effect. And then the party at night. You know it, baby. <laughs> you hey, know thanks it. for stopping by. It anytime, anytime. Townie, Cody, good to see you, boys. And what you do on the broadcast is absolutely spectacular. We love you, brother. We were able earlier to catch up with the president of your Oakland Athletics. Are you ready, Cody? Here is Dave Cavill. It's now time for the build here on A's cast and the president of our organization, Dave Cavill, is with us. How are you today, Dave? I'm doing fine. We got a little day game today, so I'm excited for some day baseball here in Oakland. Is there anything better than beautiful day baseball, being in the stands, having a hot dog or sausage, a beer or whatever you want to have? But there's nothing better than day baseball. Love day baseball, nothing like it. People coming out, having a great time, especially in the summer, keeping score out there with their family members and, and hopefully get an A's win. You know, thank God for you because I'm tired of talking about ballpark. I mean, I've had to do this for years. I had to do this with the Warriors. I had to do it with the Raiders. I've been doing this forever with the A's. You don't get tired of it. You continue to battle. What is this like day in and day out for you the fight that you're doing for this organization? Well, I mean, it's it, we're really in the bottom of the ninth inning. So, you know, we're doing everything we can to advance our message and get our proposal um, 
to the city council and, and voted affirmatively on the 20th of July. Um, it's been you know five years of work, blood, sweat, and tears for me personally to get here. We think we have an incredible plan to keep us in Oakland for generations to come, and we just really need that positive vote. So it's that's the energy that you know, or the fuel that keeps the energy going is the excitement of of getting that yes and getting a shovel in the ground and and building that stadium that I know everyone wants so uh, so badly. You know, I, I talk about it all the time on the post game show when callers call me because you know I have dealt with this for a long, long time, and I know exactly what the Warriors didn't do. I know exactly what the Raiders didn't do. No one has gotten this far as you have gotten. Why do you think that is that you've gotten to where the A's are versus where the Warriors and the Raiders never even came close? Well, I mean, I think we see Oakland and a facility and venue at the waterfront as such a big positive for the A's, for the community at large. You know, we have this vision, uh, the Fisher family, myself, to, to bring that forth in a positive way. And we're fighting for that. And despite all the opposition of the maritime polluters and some of the other people who um, really don't share that vision, we feel that we're going to do everything we can between now and this vote. And then hopefully once it happens, um, you know, a groundbreaking in the future to find that success and to build on that in an effective way. And so I think that's that's what drives us. And that's why we're excited about where we are. But it's also a little scary because it's kind of all riding on this moment. You know, it could it, it there's a chance it could fail. There is a parallel path going on in southern Nevada because we're running out of time. And so all those things, I think, have heightened the intensity level of what we're doing. But make no mistake about it. We are fighting hard for Oakland, harder than anyone. And we hope we find success. You know, I, I don't know how you feel, but this is how I feel. So they never got a chance to vote on the Warriors. They never got a chance to vote on the Raiders. So this is the one vote that I think that it's really going to be telling how they really feel. We're really going to find out because there's so many people in Alameda County. There's so many people, so much of our fans who want this to happen. But I've always tried to stress this is about Oakland now. This is about Oakland residents, the people that they have voted into office. This is the city council. They now get to vote. We're now going to know how they truly feel about professional sports in Oakland. Do you agree on that? Yes, it's a public policy decision. Will sports and will an active waterfront with commercial entertainment activities like a ballpark be the future of Oakland? And that's the question. And we don't, we don't know the answer right now. We've put forth this incredible plan. This is as big a project the city has seen since they built the original Coliseum complex over 50 years ago and they're at a fork in the road as the city and they can decide which way to go and we're hopeful that they agree with our vision but until the vote happens you just never know well and and i think about if if anybody says well how is it going to work what will it look like it's like 13 miles across the bay look at oracle park what was around oracle park when that before they built it and look what it is now it's amazing how much the Giants and their ballpark changed that part of San Francisco. Isn't that just a blueprint blueprint for what you're talking about? Yeah, that is complete blueprint. What happened down there, I actually lived down there before the ballpark went in at Petrero Hill. It wasn't an area you went to. It, it had nothing going on. It was more industrial. And now you see this vibrant area. 
you have two sporting facilities there with Chase Center, with Oracle Park, with all the housing, including affordable housing. We can have that in Oakland. Oakland can have a waterfront that's just as cool and hip and awesome as San Francisco to attract, you know, people and tax dollars and allow people to gather at the waterfront. I mean, we're going to have 18 acres of, of park space on our project. That's going to be tremendous, a regional draw. Um, these are the types of things and the vision that we need for the city. And we just need to hopefully get everyone on the same page that it makes sense. You know, we talk about risk. There's risk everywhere we are in business. It's just reality. But the A's have spent a lot of money, and you've talked about on the city of Oakland, you know, with all the money that you've spent, there's not a whole lot of risk on their part. No, we have created a proposal to the city that's very fiscally responsible, that really puts the burden on the team uh, to pay for all the on-site infrastructure, to only get reimbursed with, you know, project tax revenues that may or may not exist. So we might, if anyone's going to be holding the bag, it'll be the A's. It won't be the city or the county or the taxpayers. And there's all these other positive benefits that come out of the project. $450 million in community benefits, a billion dollars for the general fund, 7,000 jobs, better air quality and sustainability in the environment down there. Those are all wins. If the project isn't approved, none of that happens. This is zero, goose egg. And so I think it's important to remember all the positives that come with this and how little risk there really is on the city of Oakland. Now, I understand that there's a bad history with the Raiders deal and that that clouds some of the thinking here and it makes people concerned. And I get that and we're fighting that and we'll fight that until the vote, until the very end. But this is truly a totally separate type of deal and one that does not expose the city's general fund like the previous deal. And the thing that, you know, when people come to me and they, they complain about it, and I just, I, I look at it for the city of Oakland, I go, in the end, how do you win by losing the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball? I don't understand how a major city the, would be the only major city in American history to lose the big three in basically a span of just around five years. I don't understand how Oakland as a city and Alameda County as a county, how they win by losing professional sports. I I just don't see it. Well, I I don't see it either. And that's why we've been so adamant to call for a vote, because I think when it's presented in those terms, and especially with this proposal that, you know, uh, really puts the burden on us, hopefully, um, people will realize that this is just a, it's, it's a no brainer and it makes a lot of sense and we should move, they should move forward. Um, and so, yeah, no, I agree. I think you're, you're reading the tea leaves, right. And that's why we have to you know, have this conversation in a public forum and hopefully continue to build support for uh, the A's staying here and privately financing our facilities. And you, you talk about, you know, parts of it, the city has to step up, but yes, cities need to invest in their self. Right. I mean, isn't that why people pay taxes and we pay our property taxes is for you to reinvest in your own city? Yeah, the, the, the types of things that the city, especially with the offsite infrastructure, is looking at, those are things that are going to have to be done anyway. Like if they don't handle the sea level rise in Jackson and Square, it's just going to flood. So you might as well use the project revenues from our project to do it or they're going to have to find some other source of money or raise taxes or maybe not do it because there's no money and then it floods. So that, I mean, that doesn't seem like a good solution. So I think you have to look at it holistically. What are the options beyond our project and how the status quo is not tenable? And I think when you see all those things together 
and you see that the opposition is really in this for really um, bad faith reasons and not in the best interest of the city, that hopefully the calmer heads will prevail and we'll get an affirmative vote. You know, there's a big project that's been approved in downtown San Jose with Google. It actually, is the site where Lou Wolf wanted to put the the A's back in the day. And you addressed that yesterday, how how this project and what you're doing is even far more, you know, far more complex than even what Google is going to do in downtown San Jose. And and we're, we've pledged more than double the community benefits, four hundred and fifty million plus of stadium that we pay for versus 200 million in San Jose with a project that's 10 times bigger. I think when you look at that, you realize, especially for the city of Oakland, it's a great deal for the city of Oakland. And there's not like 10 more of these deals like stacked up behind us ready to come in. You know, it's really a once a generational, maybe even once a century opportunity for Oakland uh, to reinvest in its waterfront with private capital to retain, you know, their last professional sports team in the A's to create future memories at the waterfront in this gorgeous new Bjarke Ingalls design stadium, you know, really almost a Sydney opera house type view. I mean, a better stadium that they have in, in San Francisco, we will be the envy of those people and they'll come over here and they'll come to our incredible venue. That's going to be tremendous. That's going to be a great moment. And that's what we're fighting for. Yeah. And one of the coolest things is that it's a park that will be open 365 that people will be coming to the the park year round versus most ballparks that you know once the season's over it's basically locked up you got to pay for a tour your ballpark will always be open and that's the beauty of it i mean that's just a great thing it's, it's a community asset a public asset that you can be out there at any time and right now it's fenced off and you got diesel trucks just idling there creating pollution and you're going to convert this into 18 acres of public open space and a park on the roof. I mean, it's going to be tremendous. This is, this is what the vision of this project can be. It'll attract people in a regional way. It'll give people a reason to come to Oakland, which doesn't currently have that anymore. And that is something that's critically important for cities, um, you know, future. Are you able to have personal conversations with the, the people who are on the city council? All the time, every day. It's happening every day. On the, when on this interview, a couple called me. I have to call them back. So yes, it's it's <laughs> happening every day. When you know, I'm articulating our vision, what we're willing to do. You know, educating people on the aspects of our proposal, what it can mean for the city. And I think the biggest thing I've been spending a lot of time on recently is just stressing to people like you have to look at what your alternatives are. The alternative to this project, if it doesn't go through is the A's are not in Oakland, so you lose all three teams, and the waterfront continues to be polluted and not attractive to business and or people. Well, that doesn't seem like a great outcome. So I think it's important for people to remember now, no project is perfect, but you know, this is a great step in a direction that can be really transformative for Oakland and the East West. Well, one thing that I say all the time on Ace Cast Live, I also say it on the Ace Clubhouse show, is having been around this for a long time, I know what Rick Welts did with the Golden State Warriors. I know what Mark Bedane did with the Oakland Raiders. They didn't, they basically did anything. They didn't do anything. And what you have done and where you have gotten the A's to this point, nobody in the history of Oakland professional sports has gotten this close you know, because everybody still wants, oh, well, what about the Coliseum? I'm like, hey, listen, they've had since 1966 
to build all the infrastructure around the Coliseum, whether it's hotels, restaurants, bars, you know, you name it. But you have gotten this to the closest, as we mentioned, like a football analogy. We're right up on the goal line at this point, but you've put everything that you have into this to where the other presidents of the other other organizations didn't do this. I think at some point, and I know some people might criticize me for this, but you should be proud that you've gotten it this far. Well, we have, we obviously want to get it all the way done. We, we want to get this project um, across the finish line. We want to get the positive vote on the 20th. We're fighting as hard as we can to do that on every, every day, um, 18 hours a day. And beyond that, we want to get a shovel on the ground and we want to build it. But the thing is, we cannot do it alone. We need the support of our fans. We need the business community. We need the city. We need the county. Everyone needs to understand it's, it's everyone collectively together making this happen. Uh, to create this amazing project and, and make it a reality. I know how politicians work and what they care about is the people that can vote for them, that can vote them in or vote them out. So that's why I tell everybody, hey, it's great that, you know, you live in San Ramon or you live in Walnut Creek or but they care about the people that live in Oakland. How important is it for the people of Oakland and all the people that work at our stadium who collect the check and that means so much to them. How important is it for the people of Oakland to stand up and talk to the council members, contact them and tell them how important this project is? It's critically important. You know, our fans, um, our employees, all the stakeholders who care about the A's and who have seen the detrimental effects of the other two teams leaving uh, and who have seen the challenges with the current configuration of the waterfront all stand to gain a lot from this project. And we, we need to do everything we can to um, really contact the city council and share that point of view. Because it's easier, easy in this day and age for a very small set of people who don't want the project to happen, especially these maritime polluters, to just gum up the works and really seem like they're bigger than they are and really organize against the broader public good, which is what this project brings to Oakland. And so, yes, anyone who can help in any way, we would appreciate that. So you were recently in Texas, and you got to see their new ballpark there in Arlington. How is it? It's tremendous. You know, it's it's an incredible um, venue. Uh, it, they've done a lot of really innovative things with the way they've done the seating, created all these cool little neighborhoods in the ballpark for fans to gather. Um, and obviously, a retractable dome there is pretty important because it's so hot. And so I think all those things make for a better fan experience than they had before. I always like the kind of the look of the old stadium, the ballpark in Arlington. It had that kind of like old classical feel to it, uh, but it just wasn't really pleasant to be in. Um, and so I think understanding what, what, what your customer needs and what the fans need is going to be really important. And I think they accomplished that. Let's end on this. I think uh, the reopening and the fireworks and the Red Sox being in town Fourth of July weekend. I looking at looking at the Fourth uh, of July hat looks incredible. But you know, for you and the organization, really for all of us, to have all of our fans back, to have a packed house, what is that going to mean for you? What does it mean for the organization? Well, I think it's going to be emotional for a lot of people involved in you know just getting us through the storm that was the pandemic. You know, whether it was the days when you know we had just cutouts and me and David Forrest and the team to, you know, now that we can have everyone back, our fans here supporting us, having this energy around what we're doing, 
it's going to be tremendous, County. And we, we can't wait for that day. And we'll have over 30,000 strong um, for the fireworks game and have everyone on the field. It's going to be awesome. So I can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, I've, I, I know so many people have reached out to me and talked about what, you know, what this game is going to mean to them. You know, because this is really our family, you know, th- this fan base. And, you know, I miss seeing everybody in the treehouse every single day. But just to have everybody in the ballpark and get 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 basically the family back together, I think is going to mean a lot for all of us. Thank you so much for your time. We know how busy you are. And, you know, in the end, Dave, the best part is we got a really good ball club. We got a great ball club. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going into the all-star break. Thanks for having me. Oh, the reopening of the 2021 season right here on A's Cast Live. Fireworks, and how about that? We're going to have over 35,000 people at the Coliseum. We haven't seen that since the 2019 wild card. It's going to be a great sight. Coming up next, we're going to have Chris Bassett soon right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it's always great having Dave Cavill on. You know, he's fired up for tonight. We all need to have a little patience because, you know, we we haven't had this many people in the building in a long time. So there's going to be some issues. But let's just be happy that we're all going to be together and we're going to have fireworks, and we're going to have some normal in our lives. And to have this many people back in the stadium is going to be so refreshing. I can't wait to see all of you as we have kind of be, been reborn here on A's Cast Live as we're down in our normal perch on the field right next to the dugout. It's great to see the players. We haven't seen the players since 2019. And there's some of these players that we've gotten to know that we've never met. Face to face, like Cole Irvin has been on a couple times. Uh, Elvis has been on a couple times. Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp, and we've never met them. So it's kind of strange. We were talking to Eric Nadell, the Hall of Famer, uh, voice of the Texas Rangers, when we got to see him as the Rangers are traveling their broadcasters, and they were like, "Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it was funny. There's a bunch of these players that we've never met before." Like right now, like if we walked up to Tony Kemp, you'd have no idea who we are. Well, the nice thing is we have our our front office uh, credential on, so you'd be able to identify us. That would be you're right. You would have no idea who we are. Now, it's, now luckily we saw our good friends Scott Emerson, Emo. We saw Lou Trevino, so we saw some of the people that we know pretty well, which was nice, to, you know, to see them face to face again. Lou was like, "You guys are back." It's like, yeah, man, we haven't seen you in two years. Uh-huh. You, met, you mentioned about pa- you know patience and everything. The last time we saw a packed crowd was the last time we were here, and that was the all, that was the wild card game. That's been a long time. Well, when I say he, we were here, meaning we were here on the field. We, no, the, we were not here on the field for the wild card. No, we were game. here the day before. Yes, well, we were we were here for the last game of the season, but uh, we were up at Championship Plaza because ESPN. A Rod, A Rod blocked us from the field. They would not. They had to bring Rob Manford out to uh, 
championship plaza. That was great to have the commissioner on that one day. Because A-Rod needed to be on the field. Wow. Thanks, A-Rod. Yeah. That's Ed, Minnesota Timberwolves owner Alex Rodriguez, mind you. Did us no good as the uh, the Rays and the smoke in the A's on that day. But all the players have on their red 4th of July caps. They look awesome this year. I love every year. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of the hats. Every year I love the 4th of July hat. I think it's so cool. And uh, they're going to have uh, Garcia has red, white, and blue gear. <laughs> it's going to be pretty cool as we're taking on the Boston Red Sox for three games starting tonight here. Or, or by the way, with the reopening, are we staying with the 640 start time for the rest of the season? Yeah, it looks like it, yeah. Tonight's a 640. Now, tomorrow's like a 415 game, but it's a 405, I believe. It's a Fox game, though, so we're going to be on national television with Fox. Don, Orsor, Don Orsillo, the voice of the Padres, and uh, Eric Caros, former A, will be calling the game tomorrow for uh, ES or not ESPN for Fox, uh, so that's that's what's going on. But yeah, six forty tonight, fireworks and it's a whole the whole thing. So hopefully we'll see you out here. Like like Dave Cavill said, we're expecting over thirty what around thirty five thousand people tonight. It's gonna no, be it's going to be jam packed. It's going to be great. It looks like BP is about to wrap up here. We're gonna have Chris Bassett in moments, and you think about how good Chris Bassett has been. His last fifteen starts. He's 9-0 with a 2.74 ERA. By the way, somebody we need to get on the program. We we got to get Mark Kotze. Do the A's go uh, on the road after this? Yeah, they go to Houston and Texas. We got to get Mark Kotze on because I want to talk to him about Shohei Otani. Because basically he was Shohei Otani in college. As he was the Golden Spikes winner, uh, he's one of – you could you can make an argument he's the greatest college baseball player of all time. Won the national title uh, with Cal State Fullerton, and you know I think about his ability to hit, and I think about his ability to come in and blow 96, 97, and close games out. You know what does he think they should do with Shohei Otani? Because that has been a uh, that has been a, a hot topic, obviously today in baseball and what's going on, especially after that start in New York. Chris Bassett, it is wonderful to see you. It has been a long time. Yeah, this is crazy. Uh, when's the last time this has happened? Uh, 2019 would have been the last game of the Holy year, moly. right before the uh, wild card game. Yeah, I feel like the last time I talked to you in person was maybe Japan or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that was, you know, we've, we were just joking that, you know, We've had Cole Irvin on. Mm-hmm. We've had Tony Kemp. We've had Elvis Andrus. And if I walked up to them, they'd have no idea who we are. They've yeah. got, they haven't seen us. We yeah. haven't been able to meet these guys. So it's just great to see you guys again. Yeah. Welcome back. And I think about the way you've been throwing the ball. I just said your last 15 starts, 9-0 and with a 2.74 ERA. Mm-hmm. Just, just talk about how everything's falling into place. Yeah. I think uh, it's more so just uh, – me being comfortable, the organization being comfortable with me, and it's kind of been like just the perfect storm kind of thing. It's it's uh, me not, not, not trying to do too much. In the past, I was trying to do too much just to stay at this level, and now it's just more just going out there competing, going out there and just trying to win ball games. Um, so, yeah, I think the comfort level just kind of let me blossom into who I am right now. You know, you've become one of the leaders on this team, and the – after your last start, I said in the postgame show, and I played that clip where, you know, they want to ask you about the All-Star game in Colorado. And I loved your answer. It was like, hey, listen, I'm just trying to win games for this team. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. 
if the All-Star game happens, that's great. If not, go on vacation and rest. Yeah. But for you, it's all about that W winning for your team. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, me and I are really close. Um, and we, we, I know our names are both kind of flo- floated around, floating around for that game. And it's – I'm not trying to speak about Manaya or to Manaya kind of thing or for Manaya, but, I mean, neither one of us – care about that i mean we just don't it, it's we we want to win so bad in the pl- in the postseason we we want to we want obviously our legacy not to be about an all-star game it's about a championship and that's just not just for me it's for i think we're so good here because Oli's the same way chappie's the same way like chappie it'd be pretty dang easy for chappie to say i want a platinum glove gold glove all this stuff I don't need to take ground balls, but he busts his butt every day because he's like, "Listen, I'm trying to get to that next level. I'm trying to, I'm trying to win it all, and the only way for me to do that is to constantly push that." So, I think Bowmel has a big, big hand in that. The organization has a big hand in that. But I mean, just we have a lot of guys here that don't care about individual stuff. Yeah, I mean, Matt Chapman's kind of guy that can go 0 for 4, but if you win, next thing you know, you're getting up on the free throw line and everybody's having a good time to yeah. where I think there's quite a – it's sad, but I think there's quite a few guys if your team wins but you go 0 for 4, you're going to be mad, and that's just not yeah. right. Yeah, uh, I I don't think many guys like that last in this game anymore. You, you, you can't be selfish. Obviously, this game is kind of selfish in the numbers aspect of it, but – if you're not trying to truly win, then you're, you're, especially if you're a leader, your team's gonna be bad. If if you're if if your leaders are selfish and all they care about is themselves, you're not gonna be a good team. It's that simple. Yeah, you you've said in the past that guys leave here and they go to clubhouses and they're miserable and it's mm-hmm. it's not fun and that's just kind of talk about the culture that you guys do have in that clubhouse. Yeah, it's it's uh you better bust your butt, you better bring it every day. But at the end of the day. Um, we're here to win. Um, we're not here for individual stats. We're here to win. So um, I think people go to a different environment and they say, this ain't the right way to play because I just came from the right way to play and this ain't it. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that definitely leave here and they say, I wish I was not here. I wish I was back in Oakland. So with the new being able to go up into the Raiders' old locker room, you guys got more space now. Yeah. Uh, take us. I'm sure you've taken a few shots uh, you yeah. played basketball back yeah. in the day. How have you done with the the? So people got into there's a yeah. fog machine, yeah. disco music, yeah. the whole thing's going on. Yeah, uh, I am really bad right now at it. I'll give you that, <laughs> and I'll, I'm gonna say. Usually you don't, you don't go like six innings and, and make the shot. Usually you have to go seven innings or plus kind of thing, and your arm's pretty fatigued at that point. So my my shots have been so erratic that. I'm embarrassed to say I even shot, but yeah, I, I am like 0 for 4, 0 for 5 on the year. Bowmel was 1 for 1 right off the bat, like this is the easiest thing, why are we doing this? But uh, we only got like four or five guys that have made it so far. It's pretty hard to to make a shot at the end of the day when you're kind of tired. Talk about your relationship with Bob from when you got here to where you are now. I, it, it's it's not so much Bowmel, it's all me of just, I'm, I'm weird, like, um, a lot of people like to be guided and talked to. I like to kind of be left alone um, and just let me do my thing kind of thing. And I feel like the organization took a while to understand that. And I took a while to kind of understand them and what they were trying to do. Um, and now I think me and Bowmel's relationship is just great just because 
he, like I said, he trusts me. I trust him. But like, if I ever have a problem with him, I'm not gonna like go and talk to someone else. I'm going right to him. And then same thing for for me to him. I mean, him to me is just he knows I don't like the old like pat on the back. I don't need the the happy comments or like, are you okay kind of thing. I just I'm the guy you kick in the butt and say, listen, like that was wrong or whatever it may be. And I think they've learned that. I need the tough love. I don't need the pat in the back. So uh, <laughs> I feel I feel like they've learned me well. I've learned them well. Well, I tell you what, it's very obvious that you're you're sniffing the the finish line when you go out there now. Like you're expecting seven, eight. You want to make it nine. Mm-hmm. You know, so many we so many times we see five and dive in our game, and that's kind of been one of the really good things. I mean, you guys, your rotation leads the American League mm-hmm. in innings pitched. Uh, just talk about for you, like when you take that ball every fifth day, you you expect to go deep. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it was a, it's a baseball mindset to get to the bullpen, and I think it's a, it's a horrible, it's a horrible strategy long term. I think in a 60-game season, sure, in a playoff scenario, sure, but you need the pitchers that start games to go deep, period, end of story. Um, and I don't think it's just me. I think Manaya. you see Manaya that's really trying to go deep. You see Irving that just did what he did in San Fran. You're seeing Montas eat innings. You're seeing Caprillion, like, obviously he's young, but he's wanting more and more innings. So, like, we got starters that really, really want to go deep into games and say, listen, Deakman, listen, Petit, like, you guys take a day off. I know you guys have been used a lot, but, like, you take a day off. And the more and more trust, obviously, we gain with Bomel, Emo, the front office. I think it only betters our team long term just because we're already kind of in the rhythm and flow of the game. And, I mean, one one more inning is not that much in, in the grand scheme of things. So, uh, if, you, if you put the work in conditioning-wise, arm care-wise – then, yeah, all those little innings just add up. So, yeah, I think that's just our starting mentality. That's Emo's mentality for us is, listen, we want you guys to go as deep as you can. And I think about Cap. Like, we had no idea what the A's were getting in him coming up here. But the guy's worked out of jams and all these different starts. He's got good stuff. I know this in my scorebook. I'm writing down a bunch of reverse Ks, which means they're not seeing him. Mm-hmm. Stock, what you, you, as you said, he's a young guy. But he's been impressive. Yeah. Uh, when he came up, I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone knew who we were getting. Um, obviously, we were r- around him in spring training. I had talks with him in spring training when he got sent down. But, like, you don't know who you got until they're up here. I mean, until till the numbers really go to the back of the card and they mean something, you don't know who you got. And pretty pretty quickly, I would say within the first couple outings, we were like, we got someone here. Because, I mean, Cap just has what you call it. I mean, he just – he goes out there and competes, and when, when stuff gets tough, when he gets punched in the mouth, so to speak, he's a guy that doesn't, like, sit down. He fights back. He's not a guy that walks guys. He's a guy that's like, listen, this is my stuff. Try to beat me. And a lot of guys tend to, like, try to pitch cute in those situations or whatever, but he he has that, like, bulldog mentality that it's it's very special. And obviously him and Chapman, they're very good friends off the field even in like the off season and they have very similar mentalities where it's like, listen, we're going to outwork you and we just, we care more than you. And it's, it's, it's awesome to see a young guy be that headstrong so early in his career. Cause I mean, 
he he can be very special long term. Very very special. Yeah, Chapman doesn't lack confidence. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Just tell me quickly about you guys got all these rituals that we're seeing now on camera. The starting pitchers yeah. on days you not pitch. How much fun are you having with that? Yeah, it's just it's just us staying together, having fun together. Um, we're really close on and off the field, and I think if you're close as a group, it, it, it's a lot easier to handle struggles. It's a lot easier to not get so head like get your head so big on on successes and stuff like that so we tend to humble each other every day a lot so uh it's it's a it's a fun group but uh yeah we we like to work yeah i i i hope you make it to the all-star team you obviously deserve it but the number one thing that i want for you and i think would be one of the great things of this season is to see you out there game one starting a playoff series here at the coliseum that would be that would be wonderful to see yeah uh I mean, obviously, game one's huge, but uh, as long as we win game one, I don't care who the hell's on the mound. I'll tell you, I don't, Manai can be on the mound, Caprillion can be on the mound. I don't, if we win game one, I'm happy. I don't care who's on the mound. But, um, yeah, being being in the playoffs period and having – I mean, it's kind of funny you bring it up because we were talking, me and Manai today, about yes, last year's playoff atmosphere and the lack of it. I mean, we were in the playoffs, but, I mean, really – the fans were limited everywhere. Like the energy kind of going into it is kind of limited. They're pumping fan noise in. And like, obviously the dream is to have this place completely packed playoff time and then go somewhere else, somewhere else and it's completely packed. So that's what we're all envisioning. We're all, we're all envisioning the very end goal. And that's, that's literally all of our goals. Well, it's been great watching you pitch. You're a class act. We've always appreciated your time here on A's Cast Live and keep it rolling. And it's just great to see you again. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Thanks, Chris. We truly appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. It's been a lot of fun being back on the field and seeing these guys. And because uh, it has. It's weird that we haven't seen them since 2019. And, you know, I remember, you know, that conversation I had with Chris Bassett in, in Tokyo. And he was being sent down, and he wasn't happy. And it's amazing to see where he's come from that point to where, you know, we're talking about him. I mean, legitimately, I mean, he's 9-0 and with a 2.74 ERA in his last 15 starts. That's, that's what all-stars do. And he's become really the stopper. For the Oakland for the Oakland Athletics on the mound. I mean, if you're if you got a losing streak and you want someone on that mound to stop it, look at the Red Sox guys looking over, going, "What are those guys doing?" Because no one's probably ever seen this before, yeah. right? Like you can't do this at Fenway Park. It's so small. The fact that we have such the foul territory that's one of the reasons why we're able to be here on the field for uh, A's Cast Live. If if this was a, another ballpark. We'd have to have a screen so we wouldn't get killed from BP. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I just read something on my phone. Uh, the Marlins drilling Ronald Acuna Jr. saga continues. Uh, first pitch of the game, uh, Ronald Acuna got hit, got hit by Pablo Lopez, and they immediately threw him out of the game. Because oh, remember, it was uh, Jose Urena who always, yeah, always hit him. seriously. <laughs> Why do the Marlins hate him so much? But anyway, uh, the, the – uh, the, Shortstop and third baseman for the uh, Red Sox, uh, Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers, the starting shortstop and third baseman in the AL uh, for the AL in the All Star game. So, well, Boston is. Let's face it. If you if most you, wins in baseball. If you had to pick two surprising teams this year, obviously it's going to be in in the National League. It's going to be the San Francisco Giants, and in the American League, it's going to be the Boston Red Sox. I mean, both these 
franchises that we're talking about were in rebuild mode for the most part. And now you look at both of them, and they're both, you know, in first place. And it just goes to show, and I've talked about this on the Ace Clubhouse show, when people call up and they panic at (laughs) 833-625-2278. But the reality is there's a group of teams, you know, Red Sox. I think you can throw in the Rays. You can throw in the Blue Jays. I don't know about the Yankees anymore. You know, it was – Knowing how big a fan Brian Kenny of MLB, friend of the program, MLB Network, is of the New York Yankees. That's his squad. He's a New York guy. But, you know, Jason Stark did this piece in The Athletic about, you know, what happened in baseball in June. Oh, I printed that out. I have it in my bag for you. And one of the things, I guess, because it's in your bag and I wasn't able to read it, was he <laughs> went around to a bunch of executives and said, who are the New York Yankees? And a lot of these executives go, well, they got big guys. It's all about the home run. It's true. They can't stay healthy. They're not very athletic. And, you know, they're very beatable, and their pitching's not that good. And then now that we're going to be checking guys, and Dallas Braden and I had a conversation after the interview when we were doing Dave Cavill where he, you know, helped explain spider tack a little more to me. And you take spider tack. I mean, obviously, when Garrett Cole was asked the question and he couldn't answer it, tells you everything you need to know. Now that he doesn't have the stuff, he's not as effective, and away we go. So the Yankees pitching isn't great. They're not very athletic. They have to hit home runs to win. They don't stay healthy. They don't stay healthy. and that, So I don't know if they're in that group. The White Sox – have have come back to life a little bit. They just demoted your mean Mercedes to the minor leagues today. Well, ever since Tony, yeah, he mushed his own player. Ever since he crushed him for swinging a three zero from a z- position player, he hasn't been the same. I don't buy Cleveland, and then I think really in the West, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Seattle. I think in the West, it's A's and it's Astros. So that's that, that that's just a handful of teams that legitly have a chance at getting into the playoffs and winning the American League. Now, I think you can make a case, and obviously with Trevor Bauer being put on, what, what is the, the exact list? Administrative leave. With pay, I think he still gets paid. Oh, yeah, he still gets paid because it's not, it's not he's not suspended. It's just we're putting you in the corner until we figure out what's going on here. Uh, if the report, and is it going to get worse, uh, that could really affect the Dodgers because we were talking about the Dodgers – Maybe, just maybe, being the only – if the back of the bullpen yeah. is right, maybe, just maybe, being the only complete team. Uh, San, A.J. Preller and San Diego, you know they're going to make moves uh, at the deadline, so they're a pretty good ball club. Um, you know, DeGrom gave up three runs. Panic mode only went six. He struck up 14. His ERA went up. Yeah, you know what it is now? Point six something Point nine five. Oh, He's, he's very hittable. Do you, do you want to know, because uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to get the buying or selling because we're going to have David Force on. you have any more earned runs he has to give up? So to, have, to, to beat Bob Gibson's record of 1.12, he, need, he would have to give up no more than 22 earned runs on the season. Now he's given up uh, nine so far this year. Nine earned runs so far this year. So he can only give up 13 more the rest of the season. 13. Those guys to do that in two starts. What's he on? What, what's he and Schwarber on? 
Uh, it's a, I don't know. Huh? Sh- what do you mean? Schwarber's not hitting home runs anymore. Joey Gallo's hitting all the home runs. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody now is all in on Joey Gallo. I'm like, come on. You, ne- you never buy a stock at its highest. I heard you. I listened to the whole postgame yesterday. Yeah. I just, come on. He gets hot against you now. Everybody thinks you got to go get Joey Gallo. You know, Joey Gallo, why, if you're Texas, why do you trade him? You don't really have an. I mean, What's that? See, that's a, that's that's the one thing I don't get in the whole go get Joey Gallo argument. He's young. He's going to be in arbitration. I think people forget. Remember, Texas has a brand new ballpark. This is the you know it's opened up last year, but this is the first year they can have fans in there. You know, at some point you're going to want to start building the team. You don't want a, a long rebuild with a new ballpark. So why would you trade Joey Gallo? You're, you're telling me people aren't going to see Brock Holt play? Red Sox legend? But d- does that make sense? No, but but if you're trying to rebuild and they have a new GM and Chris Young. But how – you have a new ballpark that you got to fill. Oh, they'll fill it. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to rebuild for four years? Well, with- I mean, they have a pretty good – I mean, well, they don't, I wouldn't say they have a great farm system, but it's not terrible. Okay, then why get rid of him? Because then you could – you can jumpstart your – I mean, you only have one more year of him. Is he going to resign their long no, you term? you two more years of him. You have this year and next year. Yeah. Well, so a year and a half. Are you going to be good again next year? But you got to look. Are you going to be good next year? I don't know. There's a lot of – the Boston Red Sox and San Francisco Giants would tell you, hey, we're in rebuild now in first place. How long do you want to rebuild? Yeah. Coming, coming from a, a, an organization that – they were used to going to the World Series. They were used to being one of the best teams in the West. I don't think Rod Washington's walking through those doors. No no offense to Chris Woodward, but, uh, I mean, Texas has some pieces on that team now. I mean, I like Isaiah Conner-Falefa. Conner I mean, I like some of the – Kyle Gibson might be able to get them some nice pieces back in a trade. But By the way, Conner-Falefa uh, is one of the best at beating the shift. You know who's shifted the most in baseball? Matt Olson. Joey Gallo. Oh, you, yeah. You know who's number two? Matt Olson. Matt Olson. Shifted the most in baseball. You know, there was that uh, argument I heard earlier today about banning the shift. And, you know, it's it's funny how there's some people like, you can't ban the shift. And then there's other people where you're like, you know, it's, but it's made the game boring. By the way, there's your guy, Alex Cora, manager of the Boston Red Sox. AL manager of the year. I want to go over and ask him, like, so did you go to Best Buy to buy the camera? And how did you connect that camera all the way from center field to in the dugout? Did did you bury the wire under the field there in uh, Houston? That's uh, a great question. You know, I, 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 I've, I've had with our, with our people, I have had the conversation, and I said there would have to be a lot of people involved to set up the, the elaborate – scheme that they were pulling off with banging the trash cans but it would take it would take a lot of people it would take a lot of people to be involved so that's at some point there's got to be a tell-all book oh yeah at some point we're going to get the actual details of what the astros were doing and probably what what it sounds like is a lot of other teams were doing it too well yeah what's crazy is boston was under ron renneke last year i went out with alex core suspended for 60 games they stunk and then all of a sudden, Alex Cora's back, and they're the best team in the American League. But I, I mean, what, what what changed from last year to this year? They, they Chris Sale's not pitching. He's going to come back maybe next month. Chris Sale. But no, but there's but that's it. Nothing's changed. Like he's not pitching. So what's changed from last year to this year? It's, it's like 
I mean, yeah, J.D. Martinez is hitting better, but maybe because he got video back. I mean. That, well, how about this? If, if, I mean, it's always an if. You know, coming back from Tommy John surgery, we have learned, we just had, had a guy on, Chris Bassett, that, you know, went through it. And we've talked to multiple players now about it and someone like, you know, Kendall Graveman, a lot of these guys, it will take time. Oh, look at the grounds crew. Here they are already. We're first day back, and they're already complaining. Just do your job. <laughs> oh, it's great to see everybody, man. It's been way, way, way too long since we've been able to do this. But if, hey, if they get Chris Sale back to being Chris Sale again, that is that is essentially. What do I have right there? I'm buying or selling. This is I wrote this two days ago. Buying or selling. Chris Sale will be a difference maker for oh, the Boston Red Sox. I think there's no <laughs> question. I think there's no and, and if he's fresh and I mean that's that's like adding a piece. I know it's kind of a cliche, but it's, it's like adding a piece at the deadline. But it really is. Oh, he might You're be talking the, about one of the best pitchers when he's healthy. He's one of the best pitchers in the game. All right, coming up, we're gonna have David Forrest, general manager of your Oakland Athletics, right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. You know, you know who we haven't seen? We haven't seen Clay Wood yet. The man who runs the grounds crew here for the Oakland Athletics, the best field in all of baseball. According to a lot of players in Major League Baseball, they absolutely love the field here. It really doesn't get any better. And Clay Wood and his staff do an unbelievable job. And we're about to have on the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest, and so he can tell us who exactly they're going to be trading for coming up here at the deadline, which is going to be great. He's on the phone. He's, I mean, he might be making a deal right now as we speak. Think uh, so? No, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe checking LinkedIn. I don't know. <laughs> so you ready to go? Let's do this. You know, it I, has been so I long. I forgot what you guys looked like. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is we've been able to see you from our perch. Oh, is that right? Yeah, we've been able to see you down here. It's great to see you. We haven't seen you since 2019. You've aged beautifully, Chris. It's yeah. a, it's, it's Two a, years flew by. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, but we were talking to Chris Bassett, and Chris Bassett goes, I don't think I've talked to you since Japan. <laughs> when was Japan? Oh, that was the beginning of 2019. Yeah, he was like, or he was saying to let you know, it's like, got it. Because think about, like, the new guys that you have, but we've had Cole Irvin on. We've had right. Tony Camp. We've Those had guys have no idea what you look like. They have, if I walked <laughs> up, they have no clue who we are. <laughs> so it's great to be back on the field. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, it's an exciting time of the year. You know, you got the draft coming up. Yep. You got the training deadline coming up. What's it like for you? 
We got a full house tonight, too. Don't forget yeah, that. Like over 35,000. Yeah, yeah. Don't let Cavill take all the credit for that. <laughs> um, no, it's this is fun. Yeah. I mean, look, it always, you know, summer's an exciting time. Um, you know, like you said, the draft, the trade deadline, you know, we're, we're past the 81 game mark. So trying to figure out exactly who we are and, and what we need to do over the next month to, to get down the stretch. So when we look at the draft coming up and certain parts of the country really shut down, guys lost their senior seasons, uh, junior college has a lot of players, college players. Do you see a difference with this draft because of what happened with COVID-19? We're still playing catch up a little bit. I mean, this look, this was mostly a normal amateur season. Mo almost every college played a full season. The high schools, some of them got started late, but almost everybody played a full season. So we're catching up a little bit from missing 2020, but you know, we're back up to 20 rounds. We, we wish there were more, but at least we've got 20 rounds this year compared to five last year. And, and um, no, I, I think we were going into the draft room on Sunday morning feeling like we've got a, a full slate of information to work with. You know, back in the day, it was like draft till you want. <laughs> and then all of a sudden someone would say, nope, we're good. Yeah. And then I, I want to say when I was in high school, it was like 70 rounds. Yeah. Then it went to 50 rounds. What do you think is the, the ideal number? Somewhere between 20 and 40, probably. We did 40 for a few years before the pandemic. And then, uh, you know, as part of the agreement, actually, that was made in March last year, uh, the, the Players Association agreed to, to cap it at 20 this year if we wanted. And that's what MLB decided. So, I think somewhere between 20 and 40. Obviously, we've streamlined the minor leagues a little bit, so you've only got the four four full season rosters. You've got a player cap of 180 in the minor leagues now. So there there have been some changes that I think probably doesn't make sense anymore to draft 40 to 50 guys. But but somewhere above 20, I think we'd like to have. Is this going to be a big college draft or is it a big high school draft? It's a good question. Um, you know, picking at the back end of the first round, it gives you a little different perspective on, on what the top top is. Um, we feel like there's a lot of good high school position players, a lot of good college pitching. Maybe college position players is the one area where there's not the depth, um, but there's a lot of kids itching to get out there and play. I can tell you that much because everybody – you know, a lot of guys kind of missed out last year when we only drafted five and signed a few more after. So there's a lot of guys ready to get out there and go. It's always interesting in any draft when you're one of the bottom teams, it's like, ooh, this player fell to you. <laughs> and then you're wondering, and it's not like the NFL where let's say, let, let's say I'm picking 25th. But a guy falls and he's now at 18. You can and go I, get him. I can go trade right. up and get him. Yeah, we don't have we don't have that. Do luxury. you wish you could do that? I do. Uh, we've always said we'd like to trade picks, and maybe it's coming in the next CBA. We'll see. But you know, the reality is, no matter where you pick, you always want to be one spot higher. You always wish there was a guy who got to you. Um, I, in fact, I remember we picked at six when we got AJ Puck. And we were sure he was going one or two, and there was no way he was going to get to us. So even when you're up that high, there are guys you're like, oh, we're never going to get him. I went, I went to see AJ in April of that year in Florida, and Billy texted me. He's like, what the heck are you doing in Florida? That guy's never getting to us. <laughs> so you just, you just never know based on you know, where, you, where you pick. So uh, we're at 25, and we'll see who gets there. Did you return? Billy, just fly fish and <laughs> let me take care of it. <laughs> no, I've gotten him good a couple times. <laughs> Speaking of A.J. Puck, yeah. uh, how's it going down there for him in Las Vegas? He's had two of his best outings his last two. He's, he's making some adjustments. He lowered his arm slot a little bit. And, and 
you know, he's, he's doing everything he needs to to try and get back here. You know, we, we want him to be healthy. We want him to use all his pitches. Um, but mostly we just want him, we want him to be successful and, and get in line to come back. So he's had two good outings in a row as Velos, you know, right around 95, 96, which is where he needs to be. And I, I think there are good things coming for him. How about Jesus Lazardo? Zeus has gone down there and worked his tail off. He's made two starts since he got there, you know, pitching in those environments, whether it's Vegas or Reno or Albuquerque. It's you got to take the, the line scores with a little bit of grain of salt because you know the ball's going to fly. But um, the, the great thing about Zeus was, you know, we sent him down after that day in New York. He flew straight to Vegas, got on the mound two days later. And I talked to Fran we were in the other day, and he said Zeus is definitely working as hard as he can to get back. Well, i got to do every day in the fifth inning. i got to do the minor league report, and it's, you know, it's like lots. Las Vegas beat Reno by three touchdowns. It's 21 to 14. <laughs> we literally, we had to call Vegas and make sure that the humidor didn't like get turned <laughs> off or something because the scores were unbelievable, that one series against Tacoma. But um, now, look, there's, you know, on the flip side, there's some real good offensive players having years down there. Cody Thomas just won the, uh, you know, whatever they're calling it, AAA West Player of the Month down there. Greg Dykeman's swinging the bat well. So we've seen some good things from the offense in the system too. How about at the big league level where you got Sean Minot and Lou Trevino, AL Pitcher of the Month and AL Reliever of the Month. Yeah, both very well deserved. And, and, you know, I even thought Sean threw the ball well yesterday. He made a couple pitches that got hit. But um, but those two starts before, you know, the one in New York, you saw what he's capable of on any, any given night. So, yeah, very well deserved by those two guys. So since we're just just past the halfway mark, what do you think about your team? What do you, what do you think? Because I know you can't talk about players. That's tampering. But yeah. uh, what what what? Where do you think you, you can help this team? Uh, I think, you know, you and I have talked. I think this is going to be a race all the way into September and down the stretch. I, I don't think anyone's going to separate themselves. You know, we've played inconsistently the last couple of weeks, obviously. We had, a, we had a great stretch. We were coming off the three-game sweep here, the Angels, then, you know, ran into a little bad luck in New York, split that series in Texas, and then, you know, kind of been up and down here. So I think, I think we're inconsistent right now, and I think – you know, some of it is our depth is showing. The injuries have hurt. You know, missing Steven, now missing Mark, you know, has kind of dug into our offense a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, we're out there talking about both both bats and some arms, hopefully, in the, in, at the trade deadline. It's still a ways away. You know, we're, we're here. We're in July, but the deadline feels feels a long ways away, and a lot can happen between now and then. But but I will say, I think we've identified that there there are some depth areas on this club that we certainly hope to help out. Yeah, callers in the post game show will you know have total panic. Uh, that doesn't sound like your callers at all. <laughs> no, but then again. <laughs> The Orioles go in and sweep the Astros, and you go see the other, the it, other, the other guys get paid too. It ha it happens, yeah. I mean, we were we were looking at that stretch for Houston. They were playing ten straight against Baltimore and Detroit, and you're going, man, they're going to win all ten of those. And then all of a sudden, Detroit wins two of the, two of those games. Baltimore sweeps them. So yeah, that's you know that's why you play 162 of these things to to hopefully have it all even out in the end. And I think it's safe to say, see if you agree, I think every team in the American League, at least the good teams, I think I think everybody's a little incomplete. Yeah, I think that's right. And 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 listening to sort of what's going on out there in the in the market and in the industry right now, everybody's sort of dipping their toe in, trying to figure out what the market's going to look like. But you're right. Uh, I mean, certainly, we, you know, we just talked about Houston. Anaheim's going to need some pitching help if they can get it. In the other divisions, you look at you look at that AL East with all the teams. You know, this team across the diamond from 
us tonight, Boston. The Rays are losing 6 nothing tonight. I mean, everybody's going to have nights where they're like, hey, we, we could use some help. So I expect it will be an active market come the end of the month. And a question could be, is the uh, blue, are the Blue Jays the best New York team? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. But, hey, on, on any given night, that lineup can pump out 15-plus runs. So they're going to they're gonna be tough. Do you think they'll get back to Toronto at some point? I don't know. There's there are smarter people than I trying to figure that out. So I, I know they'd like to. I know those guys aren't necessarily interested in living in Buffalo the rest of the year, but uh, they are making the best of their situation for sure. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely brutal. Everybody's looking for bullpen arms. Yeah. What is that like when you go out in the market and anybody who wants to be a buyer wants to buy the same thing you want to buy? Yeah, that's tough, and and that's the case every year. When, whenever, whenever you're a team that's in it, the easiest place to add is, is in the bullpen typically, just just from a, you know, a roster standpoint because you've got eight or nine spots out there depending on your roster makeup. But if everybody's going after the same guys and the sellers are in a good spot, that's when it usually takes some time to, to flush out because the sellers are going to shoot high. When they're asking for prospects back or whatever, they're going to shoot high, and it's going to take some time to get to the end of the month till they get the deal they want. So is it you got a supply of lists, or do they give you a list of who they like? Like, how does that go down? It depends on it depends on the team. It depends on the relationship. I mean, there are, you know there are teams that you deal with that you've you've the conversations happen so many times. You can talk open and freely and just kind of exchange names. There are teams where you got to kind of play the dance and let them aim high and then you shoot low and kind of go back and forth so it it just depends i mean we talk all the time about the relationships with other gms and who billy talks to who i talk to dan feinstein gets involved talks to some of the other teams and you just you try and make it work on on that level are are there any guys in your organization right now down there on the farm that you go nope untouchable should i tell you if there are yeah, well, you don't have to tell me who they are. I got, I got an idea. Yeah, like, I look, I think we go into every situation like this, whether it's in the offseason, the trade deadline, whatever, feeling like we need to know our system better than anybody else does and know who are the guys who are pretty much off limits. So, yeah, there, there's always going to be guys like that. Well, that's one of the things I think you guys have been really good at is taking other people's players. I mean, look at Cole Irvin. Yeah. I mean, you said he's a guy that you, you watched – in, at Oregon, you liked him, and then you had a chance to get him for cash. So you guys have done a real good job throughout the years of taking other people's players and then winning games for you here up here in the big league level. Yeah, and and, and we don't look at trades as, as sort of, you know, zero sum. Either you win or you lose. Like, you want to have a trading partner. We understand we're going to have to give something up. But, again, you got to know what you're giving up. Uh, and make sure you hold on to the right guys who you want to play on this field as opposed to the guys who, you know, ultimately may be better off with an opportunity somewhere else. Talk about the one-two punch right now of Chris Bassett, Sean Manai. It's like if you start a playoff series, let's go. Yeah, no, it's really nice. I, I guess I hadn't thought about a playoff series because we're, we're in early yeah. July. And well, that's what there, we do here. There's a long way to go. <laughs> but, yeah, when you put it that way, I mean, we – we always feel like when those two guys go out, you know, to, to start kind of start the rotation over again, we feel like Bassett's at the top and then you start the cycle over, you know, hopefully your bullpen gets some rest. Hopefully, you know, your offense scores enough runs, but the way those guys have pitched, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not objective here. They both deserve to be in Colorado in a week and a half. We'll see what happens with that, but they both have pitched great. Yeah. I think about Matt Olson. I think about Lou Trevino. I think about those two. What does it mean from a front office standpoint 
to get multiple guys in the all-star game. Yeah, look, it, it's all about what those guys are doing and what they deserve. I mean, you know, it, from a front office standpoint, you know, you try and put the best players on the field, but when they they sort of get those accolades, it's all about what they've done. So, I mean, we've had years here where we've had one guy but three more deserving. We've had years, you know, I think back July 4th weekend always makes you think of back in 2014 when we had seven guys go into that game. Um, it's, you know, it's usually a reflection on how you're playing, what you're, you're team is made of but but ultimately you know we put together the 26 to play together if one or two stand out that's great that's that's on what they did you know the great thing about making the all-star team it's just no one can ever take that away from you you know for the the rest of your life on your wikipedia page your baseball reference it's gonna say it's gonna say all-star yeah it's gotta mean something that's the way i think about chappie now having made that game in in 2019 hey the guy's an all-star and we and we see him play every day we know he's capable of but but you're right and for for Bass or for Ole or whoever to have that next to their name, they, they're certainly deserving. Yeah, well, I, I got to tell you, Chris Bass, the way the way things have just changed for him and just certain guys. You know, we're talking about you know Chris Sale, pot- Chris Sale potentially coming back here for the Red Sox. It's just when a guy has Tommy John surgery, we've you know for for some reason. What was, was it Joey Levine was a guy who never could come back? Joey Devine. Joey, yes. Joey Devine. It's yeah. like there's like no guarantee once you go under the knife that, that someone's going to be able to come back and be the same guy. Right. And, and if they are, it may take years. It may take years. I mean, we've talked a lot this year about sort of distance away from surgery as it relates to Chap because he had the hip surgery, and the further and further he gets away from that surgery, the more he feels like himself, the more he plays like himself. With a pitcher, it's no different. And, and yeah, Chris came back, you know, a year later out of the bullpen, pitching in AAA, had to do all these things. And, like, this guy who's on the field now is sort of the fully actualized version of what we – maybe what we traded for, you know, all those years ago. All right, so we'll end on this. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, all the different jerseys. Now that we're seeing fans back, we've been seeing a lot of the retro, like Ray Fossey jerseys and yeah. Reggie Jackson. It's like, you know, Vita Blue, Catfish Hunter. And then we thought about getting a Billy Bean jersey. and yep, then, They're out there somewhere. And then we were thinking, what number were you at Harvard? Uh-huh. I don't know if I want to reveal that. I wore five in college, so. Cody wants to get a Harvard jersey. <laughs> he wants a David Force jersey. I'm not sure you can find that anywhere, Cody. Someone's <laughs> going to laugh at you if you try and ha- if you try and have it made. So. <laughs> you know, I, I was talking to Dallas Braden about the whole spider tech and everything, and I, I was saying, you know, God, when we were in college, man, there were a lot of games there wasn't even a rosin bag on the map. <laughs> right? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that's all you got now to work with, so. Is it you, you like what you're seeing with these new rules? I do. I, I do. I, I mean, I know we sort of got over the spectacle of the pitchers being checked on the side and whatever, but, uh, you know, we're looking for a level playing field. That's really the most important thing and enforcing the rules that are on the books. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's been done exactly the way it should be. Well, I think everybody, yourself, your manager, Bob Melvin, all the players, everybody's going to appreciate a packed house as they're starting to roll in right now. Because we haven't seen what we're going to see tonight since 2019. Yeah, I was driving in tonight, sitting in traffic, trying to get off at 66, and I was thinking that the 2019 wild card game, that was the last time that happened. So kind of a kind of a welcome sight. Well, thank you so much. We always appreciate you stopping by on a Friday, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Nice to see you guys in person. Great to see you. David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. And, uh, yeah, it's great to see everybody because, you know, we haven't seen anybody in a long time. They're all looking at us again, like, how did you guys get down here? Yeah, well, 
All right, well, we we got we to gotta go in a minute or two. But I do want to ask you, it is the 4th of July weekend. Yes. <clears throat> you know our, what 4th of July means. Our good, that means our good friend, but I want to ask you. But, couple, you. but do you know what 4th of July means? Yeah, Independence Day. I know, but it means I'm working. Oh. While you guys are all off, river rafting, boating. River rafting. Drinking. That's next weekend Going to me. the beach, That's golfing. That's next weekend. I'm working. It's next weekend. I haven't had a 4th of July off since like the 90s. We'll both be, we'll both be celebrating next week. Yeah. We're celebrating different things, but we'll both be celebrating next week. Anyway, um, okay, a couple over-unders. Over-under 10 references to Beantown or Clam Chowder tonight, or this whole weekend on the bo- both broadcasts. What is that, Beantown? Beantown or Clam Chowder. Oh, I'll take the under. Five mentions of Sean Mania's no-hitter versus Boston in 2018. When's he going? Uh, well, he's not pitching. Oh, that's right. He pitched w- yesterday. Yeah, but it just mentions of Mania's no-hitter because we're playing How Boston. How many? Five. Under. One mention of Joe Rudy and Raleigh Fingers being traded to Boston. <laughs> One? Yeah. Uh, I'll do it on the broadcast, so I'll okay. take the over. All right. So since 2007, Joey Chestnut has dominated the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. That's the greatest San Jose State Spartan of all time. He's the greatest Bay Area champion of all time. He's the greatest Bay Area athlete of all time. Joey, the great Joey Chestnut. He's lost once in 2015 to Matt Stoney. He's won 13 of the last 14. He ate 75 hot dogs during the pandemic, the pandemic last year at the at Coney Island. And that wasn't even at Coney Island. I think they did do it at Coney Island last year. So the over-under on hot dogs this year is 73-and-a-half. Over-under 73-and-a-half hot dogs for 70. the greatest hot dog eater, eater and ever, and Joey and Chestnut. And 10 minutes? Yes, yeah, over-under 73-and-a-half hot dogs for Joey Chestnut. 73-and-a-half hot dogs in 10 minutes. I'm going the over. You know why? Because he's a great champion, yeah. and he pushes himself. Yeah, well, he did 70, 75 last year. Move over, Bill Walsh. You're not the greatest San Jose yeah. State Spartan. Not you. Move over. Yeah, certainly not it ain't me. Kevin Franzen anymore. <laughs> it ain't Jeff Garcia. It's straight Joey Chestnut. What is he, a 14-time world champion? 13. He's like Ric Flair. He's, like, he's, he's not Flair yet. Flair's a 16-time. No, Fla- no, Flair's 14. He's claiming 16. No, he's 16. 16-time world champion. Right. Tom Brady's only – Tom Brady's not there. Either. Tom Brady. Yeah. Who's Tom Brady? But no, he's not a bear. He's Joe, Joey Chestnut's above Brady, too. Above, he's way above Brady. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, what are we doing? Who? What do we got? We're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna play the newest episode of Green Eagle History with Vince and uh, Voos. And I will be back for A's total access at 5:40. Getting you ready for Game One between the Athletics and the Boston Red Sox. We want to thank all of you for listening. I know a lot of you are listening out in the parking lot. I've gotten some texts. Thank you for listening. We want to thank Dave Cavill, Chris Bassett, and David Forrest. And Dallas Braden. And the great Dallas Braden, all right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeAndTracks.com. That's BattleAxeAndTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 